Welcome to Reinvent Healthcare, a podcast for health and wellness practitioners passionately committed to transforming our current broken disease-focused system. Your host, Dr. Rita Marie Los Calzo, is devoted to helping you get results with complex health challenges like autoimmune, hormonal imbalances, and chronic health challenges caused by nutritional and lifestyle-induced imbalances. Here's your host, Dr. Rita Marie. Welcome back to Reinvent Healthcare, the podcast for health and wellness practitioners who are passionate about making a difference. Today's episode is the very first one in a new series about sleep. If you're a health practitioner who really wants to help people to get well, not to just cover up symptoms, not to just apply protocols, whether nutritional or pharmaceutical, we are doing a live event that's just right for you. It's called Functional Nutrigenomics in Clinical Practice. And it's all about how you can learn the genetic testing you can do with people to help you to personalize their diet and lifestyle plans. And when you put that together with your typical really great functional history and lab testing, you're gonna have all you need. So join us for an online virtual event that you can attend from anywhere. It's June 2nd to 4th, 2023 and you can get there by going to nesliveconference.com that's nesliveconference.com and we'll also put the link on the show notes page as practitioners we know the value of sleep we know how important it is to overall health and our clients and patients have certainly read enough about the importance of sleep to ultimate health and well-being. So why is it that sleep eludes so many people? On today's episode, we're going to explore why sleep is so important, some of the actual biochemical and neurological mechanisms that are at play, and what happens when we don't get enough sleep. I look at sleep issues insomnia, as we call it in medicine and healthcare, as having three main varieties. Number one, can't fall asleep. Number two, can't stay asleep. And number three, can't make it into the bed. For many years, I suffered from number three. I call that voluntary insomnia. Not that you can't sleep, not that you can't fall asleep, not that you can't stay asleep, When I told people how little I slept, they would always offer me all these great solutions for taking melatonin and valerian and other things. And I said, you don't understand. As soon as my head hits the pillow, I fall asleep. The problem is getting into bed. So sleep is a time when the body detoxifies and repairs. And I imagine that since I ate so well and exercised and avoided toxins better than the average person, that I could get away with less sleep than recommended. For many years, I got to bed very late. 2 a.m. was considered an early day for me, and I got between three and five hours of sleep. Sometimes on a good night, I even got six. And then I had a wake-up call. I was about to start teaching my very first blood sugar balancing program online. It's now called the Sweet Spot Solution, but back then it was called Before Be Gone. I bought a new blood sugar meter so I could do a video and teach people how to test. And I tested my blood sugar and it was 68. I was thrilled. That's a good blood sugar level. Then I ate a bowl of pineapple. 
pure, fresh, cut right from the whole fruit, nothing canned, no syrup, no artificial anything. And I retested my blood sugar 15 minutes later, and it was 135. Thinking that it was an error, I waited five more minutes and tested again, 140. Curious, I started testing every 10 minutes, and it kept climbing until it peaked out at about 167, 45 minutes later. I was in shock. Could it be that I had the condition that I was teaching people about? I went through my checklist of things I was teaching to get in balance. Diet, check. Mine was whole foods, lots of veggies. Exercise, call me a fanatic, but between running and weightlifting, I did it every day. Stress, I was the queen of heart math. And timing, well, I wasn't 100% there. Sometimes I ate too close to bedtime, but I wasn't really a snacker. On sleep, I was a big fat F. And then it hit me. I started researching the effect of sleep or lack of it on blood sugar, and it was astounding. So much so that I'm planning a whole episode to explore it. So what I realized was that it didn't matter how good I was on the other four things that I was teaching impacted blood sugar. What mattered was that one was out of balance. And then it hit me how important it is when we're working with patients and clients to teach them all of the aspects of restoring health, not to let them get away with one because they're doing well on the others, not allowing somebody who says, oh, I'm an athlete and I'm training for a marathon and I do all this amazing exercise, but yeah, I eat M&Ms and Twinkies to really realize that it's not enough. We have to be good about it all. So what else besides blood sugar does sleep impact? Mm, Just about everything. I was improving my sleep, but I still wasn't improving it enough Just the fact that my blood sugar was high wasn't enough for me to really, really, really make a difference until I read a book that changed my life. It was called Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. As I read, I became more and more concerned about what I was doing to my own body. Driving while sleep deprived is worse than driving drunk when it comes to reaction time, according to the research. Eeks! I'd put my kids at risk by driving without sleep. And how many well-meaning sleep-deprived parents do the same thing after a long and sleepless night tending to babies? They hop in the car to do their chores. Studies show that routinely sleeping less than six hours a night puts you at risk of certain types of cancers and affects the immune system in negative ways. Lack of sleep is also linked to Alzheimer's. Even moderate reduction in sleep for a week can put you into pre-diabetic blood sugar ranges, increases the risk of blood vessels that are brittle, and increases the risk of cardiovascular disease. Sleep deprivation contributes to numerous psychiatric disorders like depression, anxiety, suicidal tendencies. Of course, there's the big increased appetite that occurs with sleep deprivation due to increase in ghrelin and decrease in leptin. And that's no fun, especially if you're trying to maintain or lose weight. Decreased lifespan is associated with shorter sleep. The CDC labels insufficient sleep as a public health epidemic. 
and one person dies every hour in the U.S. alone due to sleep-deprived errors while driving. Assuming you sleep only six hours a night, that's a fourth of each day. Remember, we're recommended to sleep more like eight. But just to say, you spend about a quarter of your life each day in sleep. And you have a lifespan of, let's say, 80 years. That's 20 years of sleep at the low end of the spectrum. So why do we sleep? What does sleep do? Are we wasting our time? Or is there a profound accomplishment during sleep that makes it worth spending 25 to 30% of our lives doing it? Well, here are just some of the benefits. Number one, it improves the ability to learn. I was looking at some of the studies, and it looks like sleeping before you learn, as well as sleeping after you learn, are both beneficial. I'll share some of those statistics a little bit later in this talk. It improves memory, short-term and long-term. It improves the ability of the body to move things from short-term memory into long-term memory. And that happens during our non-REM sleep, during the deep part of sleep. It improves logical thinking, that problem-solving ability. It also replenishes the immune system and fine-tunes the glucose and insulin balance, as we started off talking about. And of course, regulating appetite is a key benefit of sleep, because how many times do we run around wanting to eat even after we're full? People like, I don't understand. Why am I eating right now? I'm not hungry. I'm not really hungry. I just had a full meal. Well, it's the hormonal imbalance that happens that gets dysregulated with lack of sleep. So what are some things that improve sleep? Let's explore some of these. And I've got some episodes coming up where we're going to interview some guests and we're also going to dig deeper into the benefits and the risks associated with the right amount of sleep. So one thing that improves sleep is cooler temperatures. The body needs to have a lower temperature to fall into sleep. It also needs to be in the darkness. So if you've got street light outside the window, if you've got light streaming through under a door, if you've got light because you have electronics in the room or a night light or alarm clock, that can impact the ability of the body to fall into a deep state of sleep. It affects the production of the hormone melatonin. And lack of food before bed will improve sleep because it helps to keep the insulin levels down and lowers the cortisol. We need the cortisol to be lower. Cortisol, the stress hormone, of course, right? That's fight flight. If we're in fight flight mode, when we lay down to go to sleep, it's going to impact the quality of the sleep, the length of the sleep and the ability to fall and stay asleep. Another one that improves the quality of sleep is light in the early morning. Why? Because light in the early morning turns off the melatonin and allows the cortisol levels to come up, signaling the body that sleep is over, it's daytime, and then that allows the cortisol to come back into play when dark hits. So those are some of the things. We'll go through many more of these as we explore more about sleep. But what are some of the fun facts? Here's one. Napping improves learning. We do that a lot when we're little kids, right? When we're babies and mom and dad put us down to naps, even though some of us fought it back in the day. Napping improves learning. 
they did some studies where they took people and they set them up with a nap or no nap, a group that did a nap and a group that did a no nap, and they gave them some kind of learning to do, some kind of learning experience. The ones that took the nap performed better on the testing after the learning. So the ones that took naps did much better. So if you're one of these people who takes a nap in the day, or you have clients who say, oh, I just get to go down for my four o'clock nap, encourage it, especially if they're needing to learn things. So there were some studies done on people who were pulling all-nighters to study. I used to be one of those. When I was in college, friends, some friends would go to bed early and then wake up early to study. For me, I was afraid I wouldn't get up in time or I wouldn't have enough time to get in all the studying. Well, I'm going to say that I was wrong. So they did some studies and they showed that if you do some learning, so you do some studying, and then you have a good night's sleep, you're going to retain that information much better than if you stay up longer to try to study more and then go to sleep and not get enough sleep. Interesting, right? We think that, oh, I got to cram all this information into my brain, yet we're actually being counterproductive there. So then they looked at what happens if you study after a good night's sleep. And they found that again, retention was better. So if we sandwich our studying, our study habits with a good night's sleep, we're going to get the best effect. So if you do work with students, you work with people who are professionals who are having to learn things, and they tend to stay up late and burn the midnight oil, as they say, in order to get that studying done, you can encourage them to study for a couple of hours before they go to sleep, have a good night's sleep, and then study again after that. And they'll actually get more learning in. They'll remember things better than if they just pulled an all-nighter to try to remember it all. It's very interesting. And part of that has to do with the fact that we move things during the early part of sleep, the non-REM part of sleep, the deep sleep. We move those memories from short-term memory to long-term memory during that part of the sleep. So if we stay up too late, we're going to get less of that deep sleep and we're not going to be able to as effectively move that stuff into long-term memory. So having that big good night sleep in between two bouts of studying is going to make you much more effective. So that's something to really share with your folks. Another study that fascinated me was there was a 2011 study of 474,000 people, not a small study, right? And they were mixed, mixed ages and mixed sex. And what they found was that those who had the shorter sleep had a 45% increased risk of a fatal heart attack. 45% increased risk. There was another study, a Japanese study with 2,200 men. Again, not a shabby study. And it was done over 14 years. So this is not like, a oh yeah, well, we'll have to repeat that study. It wasn't that accurate. No, 2,200 men over 14 years. And they found that those who consistently got six hours or less a night of sleep had three times the risk of sudden cardiac death. Three times the risk. This is not shabby stuff. This is not just a matter of not remembering things. 
This is actually putting your life at risk. So as you share these things with your clients, motivate and inspire them to get more sleep. We don't want to scare people into doing it. We just want to give them the facts. So adults 45 and over who get less than six hours of sleep, and quite frankly, that's kind of average, they have 200% more likely to have a stroke. Lack of sleep leads to higher blood pressure, which of course is a risk factor for stroke, right? Even one night of modest sleep reduction speeds up the contraction of the heart and increases the systolic blood pressure. And it erodes the blood vessels. So again, we're putting people at risk just by pushing that candle and trying to stay up too long. Sleep is related to heart disease because of its effect on the sympathetic nervous system. During sleep, the sympathetic nervous system calms down. The parasympathetic takes over, and that's critical. That's why in addition to sleep, things like meditation and heart math and other techniques you can teach people to get into parasympathetic are going to all improve their heart. Lack of sleep turns off growth hormone. Sleep increases growth hormone. Growth hormone has its biggest peak at the early part of the night, right? So when we first fall asleep during that first phase of sleep, we're going to get increased growth hormone. And then the peaks of growth hormone decrease throughout the night. So if we get less sleep, we have less growth hormone. And growth hormone is so important for repair, for burning fat and improving muscle tone. Are you convinced yet that sleep is important? Perhaps this is hitting home because of your own sleep habits. Will you take sleep coaching more seriously, especially when you're dealing with brain fog, stressed out clients, parents who are naturally sleep deprived, those people with histories of high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease, cancer. We need to be really, really good about coaching people to get more sleep. On subsequent episodes, we'll be exploring the sleep connection in depth on a variety of topics, on the circadian rhythm and how that's affected by sleep and how that affects sleep, on blood sugar, on mental health and immune health. And we'll be bringing in special guests to help you take sleep seriously and give you the tools to share that so that you can motivate your clients to sleep. Voluntary insomnia is real. You know, when people have issues with falling asleep and staying asleep, yeah, there are physiologic and biochemical things we have to look at to help them. But the voluntary insomnia is something you can start to work on right away. Get them to go to bed. So for me, it was hard to say, oh my God, I have to get to bed by 11 o'clock. And now I'm staying up till two on a good night and four or five or six. I remember one night sitting up and working on paper and working on writing and researching, and I was really into it. I wasn't feeling tired at all. And all of a sudden, I started to hear birds tweet, and I started to see the room get lighter. I'd stayed up till after dawn. Not a good thing for us to be doing, even sometimes. So this is an important topic for you to learn as much as you can about. So stay tuned for our upcoming episodes where you're going to learn as much as you can about sleep. And you're going to learn it from some unique perspectives. 
So download our free strategies for optimizing sleep guide. You can do that at www.reinventhealthcare.com forward slash sleep. I've included some more details about sleep and studies and strategies for improving it. Check the show notes for other resources, including some in-depth trainings and articles that I've done. And understand that the more you master the art of teaching and empowering your patients and clients to use the power of lifestyle, the power of sleep, the power of the basics to optimize their health, the better your results are going to be. And when you have the tools and resources to empower your clients and patients to achieve their health and wellness goals, you're going to feel fulfilled and your practice will thrive. That's what we're here for. That's what I'm here for. So remember to download the sleep guide at www.reinventhealthcare.com forward slash sleep. And until next time, shine on. Thank you for listening to the Reinvent Healthcare podcast. Join the movement of practitioners that are guiding people to actually get well rather than covering up their symptoms. Connect with us at reinventhealthcare.com to access resources and tools that will empower you to create a thriving health practice.